0: So we know our job of moving in, if possible. Sorry, (laughs) we're trying to fit everybody. And if you can move in a little bit, that would be wonderful. And then when the people come late, they don't have to climb over you to get to a seat. That's the advantage of being in, if possible. I'd like to welcome everyone to our Thursday Mindful Awareness Meditation. I am Diana Winston. I'm the Director of Mindfulness Education at MARC, the Mindful Awareness Research Center, located uh, in the medical school at UCLA. Very happy to be here and offer this practice with all of you today. And this is an opportunity for us to come together for some time of practicing being aware. Practicing being mindful, which is about paying attention to our present moment experiences and doing it with qualities of curiosity and openness and a willingness to be with what is. That's the definition I use all the time for mindfulness. And um, as you know, as you practice it, you have more and more capacity to do it. It's not always easy in the beginning, but sometimes as you practice it over time, generally for people, uh, it gets a bit easier. I actually brought something to read today because I wanted to share with you that um, a teacher of mine, someone who I'd been studying meditation with since the early 90s, um, passed away at the age of 94. So he just died on uh, Saturday a week ago Saturday. and I wanted to do kind of a just just offer some reflections on him because, I know that I would not be here in this chair right now, and then you would not be here (laughs) if it weren't for this person who was so influential on mindfulness and mindfulness in the West. So I'm going to just read just for a few minutes, and then we'll go into our regular meditation. So his name is Sayadaw, which means teacher, but Sayadaw Upandita. He was a Burmese Buddhist monk. He passed away, as I said, at the age of 94. He had been a monk since the age of 20. That means 74 years that he lived as a monk. He was one of the leading teachers in bringing mindfulness to the West and bringing mindfulness throughout Myanmar or Burma. I met him in 1991 at a retreat in the United States where he had started teaching. He had started coming and, pra- and teaching it in the US. He never said no when asked to teach, whether it was Europe or America or Australia or around Asia. He felt that the practice of mindfulness should be made available to people of all backgrounds and all religions. Although he was Buddhist, he didn't expect any of his students to become Buddhist. He merely wanted people to practice mindfulness in order to relieve their suffering and find more freedom. He was, however, a stickler around ethics and continually taught the importance of living a non-harming, respectful, ethical life as a foundation for our meditation practice. He was also the teacher for Aung San Suu Kyi, the Democratic Party leader of Burma, who lived under house arrest for 20 years until she was released in 2010. And he would visit her during all the years of her house arrest, uh, providing spiritual guidance that sustained her over the years. His rigorous and precise teaching style was legendary. He taught mindfulness in a kind of boot camp style, where you were asked to, seriously, practice every single moment of every single day, from the moment you woke up to the moment you laid your head on the pillow. His famous question he would ask people was, did you wake up on the in-breath or the (laughs) out-breath? And you had to know the answer to that question. You had to be really mindful. He expected you to sleep four hours a night so you could devote yourself wholeheartedly to meditation every waking moment. He taught a meticulous method of noting every arising experience in our body and mind, which sharpened and refined the meditation of anyone who practiced with him. He was a complicated man and did not suffer fools gladly. Many people found him abrupt hard to connect with, distant, and partially I think this was culturally, cultural and partially it was that he was a monastic, a monk, and partially it was just him. To me, he seemed to care less about relationships and more about keeping your eye on the ball, which is liberation through meditation. Over the years, I practiced with him and found myself alternately, altern- alternately loving, idealizing, and demonizing him. In 1998, I went to Burma. As most of you know, I went to Burma to ordain. I became a nun with him for the year. And it was one of the hardest and most amazing times of my life. At times, I felt loved by him. He, uh, there was a period where he used to call me Princess Diana. And at other times, he seemed not to make any connection with me at all, which you can imagine was not easy. One of the most important lessons I would say I learned was to internalize his teaching and ultimately realize that at some point we have to become our own inner teacher. It was also clearly years later, clear to me years later, that like all good teachers, he was a projection screen for me. And I learned so much from that. So as... Just to kind of bring this now to our time here together, I want to share with you, and I'm really just grateful I have this forum, to just share the tremendous gratitude I have for him. He was one of the pioneers, and of course there were others, of transmitting mindfulness to the West. Look at mindfulness emerging now is in, in schools and in hospitals and in psychology and in, in uh, businesses, being researched and gaining tremendous popularity. I tried to tell him this once a few years ago, showing him that the, wor- the work of our center at UCLA, saying it existed in some way, in part thanks to him. And he sort of brushed me off, gruffly, and he said a bit disparagingly, mm-hmm, Western, Western Dharma, which means Western teachings, these teachings. I'm not sure he got it. And that's OK, because mostly he just wanted me to meditate. He believed everyone of every background in every age could benefit encouraging us to bring mindfulness to teenagers, which started the first teenager meditation retreat 25 years ago. He taught many of the leading mindfulness teachers in the West. And personally, through him, I met some of my closest friends and dearest colleagues and colleagues and friends. And also, I found my vocation. But most of all, from him I learned an uncompromising belief in the liberating power of mindfulness. <laughs> So you wouldn't be sitting here today or listening from afar if it weren't for Saida Pandita. So thank you for letting me share this with all of you. And the thing that would make him the most happy is if we just meditated. (laughs) (laughs) So let's settle back and um, begin our practice today. Finding a comfortable, relaxed position. Feet on the floor, hands on your lap, on your knees, back upright, eyes closed if that's comfortable for you. And if not, it's fine to meditate with your eyes open. Just keep them looking, not not being distracted, not looking all around. And maybe just notice for a moment how you're feeling in this moment, having listened to what I was sharing and just let yourself be where you are, just in relation to, to that, in relation to your day, just finding the space to be wherever you are right now. We can take a few deep breaths, letting ourselves calm, relax, finding a place of ease. With the exhale, you can even imagine anything troubling you just leaving through the exhalation. And with each breath coming in more fully into this present moment. And We can notice our bodies on the chair. And just scan your body for any areas of tension or tightness. heaviness, constriction. And if you can, just soften gently when you notice these areas of constriction. You can breathe more deeply, imagining sending your breath into that area that's tight, or actually doing it if it's your belly, for instance, and see if you can notice where in your body you feel ease, if there is ease and just let that really be here. Maybe your hands are tingly and soft, warm. Let that spread through your body or maybe your feet feel solid, grounded, connected. So scanning your body and noticing tension, tightness and allowing it to soften and noticing ease and well-being and allowing it to grow or just to be here. And then we can turn our attention to the sounds around us. The sounds that come and go, listening with curiosity and interest. It's easy to get caught up in a story about the sounds. I like this. I don't like it. What is it? Let's just stay with the direct experience of listening, as if you were listening to music that you really love. Now turn your attention to your body and your breath, where you feel your breath the clearest in your body, the rising and falling of your abdomen, the expanding and contracting of your chest area, where the sensations of air moving through your nose, tingling, temperature changes. Now, if you've been practicing for a while, you typically have a place that you attend to, a main focus for your meditation. For most people, it's your abdomen, your chest, or your nose the air moving through, for some people it's the sounds. So we can keep listening to the sounds as our main focus. We just want something we can keep coming back to. So if you're new today, you might experiment and see which is the easiest for me, the clearest. And if you're not sure, it doesn't matter. So just pick something to focus on. The teacher I was talking about often used to have us say soft words in our mind as we breathed, like rising, falling, or in, out. So if you want to play with that today and see what happens, if you add a soft word in your mind, 90% of your attention is on your breath. 10% is on the word. So noticing breath after breath or sound after sound. And at some point, for most people, our attention wanders. Thoughts come into being. They're compelling, they grab us. And the next thing we know, we're lost in thought, planning, remembering, imagining. This is a normal part of meditation, it's what happens. Once you identify that's what's happened, you can just say in your mind softly, you can say wandering or thinking, and then gently return back, back to your main focus. Other things may happen. Emotions may come through you other body sensations, sounds, thoughts. You might get sleepy, you might get restless. If these things are happening in the background, let them stay in the background. But if and when they become very obvious to you, let go of your main focus. Turn your attention to this new thing. Feel it, sense it, listen, notice. Once it no longer holds your attention, just go back to your main focus. So we'll practice together in silence now. As we start to bring this meditation to a close, you can just notice how you're doing. How are you now? Maybe compared to how you were when you started. What's happening in your body and mind? Is there more ease, sense of well-being, relaxation, presence? And there may or may not be. So if there is, really enjoy, enjoy that and let it, let it be here. If something else is present, we want to make space for that too. It's absolutely fine. And the mindfulness can be with whatever life brings. That's what's amazing with mindfulness, it cultivates a capacity to be with life, whatever it is exactly as it is. So before we end, I just want to take a moment to ask you to reflect on teachers who were important to you. And this could be any kind of teacher. It could be an elementary school teacher, or a piano teacher, or a friend who's a teacher. Just let someone come to mind may not, you may never have met this teacher. It may be someone you read in, about in books. It's someone who's touched you. And as you bring this, this person, or even animal to mind, just notice how you're feeling inside. And we'll just send out some appreciation and kindness as we connect with the gratitude that comes from learning from this person. Wishing them well, may you be safe and protected. May you be happy and peaceful. May you be at ease. And anything in your mind that you might wanna say to them just silently in your mind, do that now. And will they get it? They may not even be alive, it doesn't matter, it's just for us. And let's notice how we're doing, feeling our bodies present here and now. And whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. Thank you for practicing with me today. And um, OK, so if you're interested in learning more about what we're doing here, going cl- doing classes, events, workshops, Our center offers a lot. When you exit on the right, there's a flyer with all the upcoming events. May 21st, I'll be teaching a day called Cultivating Self-Compassion. So it's a whole day of practice and discussion and exercises connected to opening our hearts and being kinder to ourselves. And I'll be in the hallway if you have any questions. Have a good week. I won't be here next week. Um, Eric Lopez will.